just like I need to surround myself with these kids because these kids are going places, they've done it, they've hit the six figure mark, they're 21, 23, 24, 25 years old and it's just like that's almost like unheard of right so I was just kind of like if you want to be people that you aspire to be you need to do what they do say what they say and you'll have what they have. Welcome everyone to This Life Worldwide, a podcast on the insights and perspectives of creative entrepreneurs. Today on the show, we have a very special guest. His name is Evan Jenkins. He has been involved with everything from the solar industry to the finance industry, and he is now the co-owner of a seven-figure painting company. So for anyone looking to get into the entrepreneurial field or kind of dip their feet in starting their own business, this is the podcast for you. So let's jump right into it. Uh, how you doing today, man? Dude, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we just got done with a hike, actually. Just grabbed some lunch, and I'm ready to share just pretty much about my story and everything that I've learned and just give back. Let's do it. Um, I appreciate you so much for taking the time out to do this. I know you're busy. We're all busy, but I really appreciate you taking your afternoon and morning out to be on this podcast. I know everyone is going to be really excited to, to hear this. So... Um, I'm just going to start right off with it. What originally inspired you to get into entrepreneurship? See, the thing, I, I've always just kind of had like that kind of just like free spirit, you know. I guess the one defining moment for me now that I look back of everything that I've always done, I was sitting in middle school at like a career day or something like that. And it was there was like a doctor, a lawyer, an entrepreneur. Uh, a couple other people like an accountant and stuff like that but for some reason the entrepreneur just stood out to me and I was in the crowd I feel like I was that one kid that was just super inspired by like what this guy was doing he was talking about travel he's talking about you know like getting his financial freedom and taking care of his family and I was just like super inspired by like his story and everything like that he came out with these little um packing peanuts to protect like glass and everything like that for ups and i was just like i don't know why but i just thought it was like the coolest thing in the world and so i was in i was in middle school and uh i guess that's really like what sparked everything you know and i was always kind of like that that lemonade stand kid that was always doing the lemonade stands for like 25 cents on the corner of the street in the neighborhoods and like even in high school i used to i learned how to make like these paracord bracelets Okay. And I would make these paracord bracelets, like, different colors and stuff, and I would sell them to, like, all my friends for, like, three bucks if you wanted, like, two colors, and five if you wanted three colors, right? So I was just a young hustler just in high school and, and doing a bunch of stuff like that. And um, really, I guess, where everything started is just, like, I've always been, like, kind of money motivated. And where that started from was basically, like, just, like, when my parents got divorced. You know, my parents got divorced when I was actually on my 16th birthday. And... I was just kind of confused by everything. I was at a really young age and everything just kind of happened so fast. And and uh, we lost the house that I live in since I was three years old. And just due to like financials and stuff like that. And also just like had to quit motocross just for other various reasons. Um, just couldn't afford it anymore. It's an expensive sport and everything like that. And I just told myself when I was 16 years old, I was thinking, I was like, I don't ever want my kids to be able to, you know, not be able to do something because of money. Like, I was just kind of saying to myself at 16, I was like, that's kind of a stupid reason for my kids not to be able to pursue, like, their passions and dreams and travel and, and do all this other stuff. And so that's that's really kind of, like, how I tie everything into where all this started. And I was just really confused 
on how to start with entrepreneurship. I know I was going to high school when I got out of high school and I was thinking, you know, like how do I just make a ton of money? So I was like really good at math. I was really mathematical minded. And so I was like, okay, I'll just be a mechanical engineer, right? And so I was in, uh, I was going to community college at the time and I was kind of just thinking to myself, I was looking at, you know, the average income of a mechanical engineer started out at like 70,000 and capped at like 125 or something like that. And I was just kind of thinking, you know, there's like, there's got to be more. And so uh, I was like, I've always kind of known I wanted to be a CEO ever since that day in middle school. I was like, dude, I, I want to be a CEO. It's kind of like when I was 12 years old, I just kind of just chose like right then and there that I wanted to own companies and help people out and, you know, have employees and manage people and just be part of something like bigger than myself. And so that's really like where everything started, you know. Dude, that's fantastic. That's that's really cool. Um so growing up, you always kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit, that entrepreneurial mindset. You were like hustling lemonade. You were hustling the bracelets. Do do you think that your upbringing? Because you're from you're from Colorado, right? Correct. Born and raised. Born and raised. Where in Colorado specifically? So I grew up in a small town called Parker. Well, it's not small anymore. It's called Parker, Colorado. It's about twenty minutes south of Denver. Okay. And do you think your upbringing there had any influence on this kind of mindset and fire that you have for creating and establishing companies and businesses? Absolutely not, to be honest. Okay, no, that's fine. That's perfect. <laughs> um, reason being is because Parker is kind of like one of those towns. I don't know if anybody on this podcast is familiar with like Highlands Ranch, but it's kind of just like what I call like the Parker bubble, right? So like everyone's handed the the fresh BMWs in in school and high school and stuff like that. You know, if they ask for money, they get it. And I was like the one kid, you know, my, my mom sold uh, insurance for like an RV company. My dad was a firefighter. So I never really had like so much money, but growing up in a town, you know, I kind of just like, was kind of just like inspired just to get out just because I just saw like the lifestyle and it's just not really like the lifestyle I wanted. You know, everyone just has like the BMWs and the nice houses, the nice cars, you know, everyone's kind of like stuck up. And I just like decided to myself, like, I don't want to be like that. So I guess in a sense of being in Parker, being around like this lifestyle inspired me to like do more. But I would say, you know, uh, most people from my hometown, I mean, I, I try and get people inspired from my hometown and stuff like that. And it's just like really hard to inspire these people just because they've just been handed everything in their life, you know? No, it's crazy. It's that it's such a different mentality when you've never had to go through the struggle to achieve something that you don't fully appreciate it because without the hard work and the dedication and the hours and the sweat, like the end product is just not nearly as satisfying which so many people learn later in life, I feel. So it's really cool that you were able to kind of understand and grasp that at such a young age. Um, what was the first entrepreneurial kind of thing you've ever done or that you can remember doing? Was it that lemonade stand that you mentioned? I would say that. Um, How old were you when you... I was probably, roughly... I was probably... Uh, let's say ballpark like six eight so years you were old. you were young though like yeah, yeah you were young yeah i wasn't like 14 or 15 or anything like that i was like 14 or 15 hustling uh these paracord bracelets but i was like six or seven eight years old doing the lemonade stands on the corners of the streets awesome dude that's re that's really really cool um so you kind of go through childhood growing up in parker and then when did, if you can remember, was there a defining moment when you kind of just something switched and you were like, I need to make this happen? Was that on your 16th birthday when your parents separated or was, is there another defining moment that you can kind of think of when 
just that fire kicked in and you just went into full gear. I would say actually when I was 16 year old, years old, I was like, it's kind of dormant, you know? It okay. was like, it's kind of just like hidden um, passion inside of me just cause like when my parents got divorced, I wasn't really like too like torn up, but I guess I just kind of like felt lost. I guess I never really knew my path. Like I, I had like multiple different friend groups in high school and stuff like that. And like, I was, you know, kind of just like trying to fit in and stuff. and. And then when I graduated high school, I was just completely lost. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Everybody's I feel that so hard, dude. Everybody knew what college they wanted to go yep. to, applying for scholarships. They were already thinking yep. about jobs they wanted. And then here was me coming out of high school, like, I want to own businesses, right? And so, like I, like, I don't know what I want to do. So I went into mechanical engineering or studying mechanical engineering at the time. But everyone was talking about, you know, going to ASU, like Cal Poly, like New York, Florida, Washington, Oregon, uh, Wyoming, like all these states and stuff like that to go to these big universities. And then here's me. I, don't even, I haven't even filled out a college application yet. <laughs> like, so the, the reason that I went to community college was just because like we literally just showed up. Me and my dad showed up to like the front door of the CCD, Community College of Denver, like three days before like they were like the school year started. Yeah. And we just needed to take like math classes and stuff. And I went to community college to save some money, too, because... No, I wasn't about to drop 40k a year just to go to school. And no. like, yeah, the, um, the whole paradigm of that I still find so incredibly interesting. Um, did your high school offer entrepreneurship classes to kind of teach students about how running a business, operating a business, starting a business goes? Because I know for myself, my high school didn't really offer any courses like that to even let you know that that was a direction you could go. Like, everyone from my school either went to Temple or Millersville or Penn State, and that was just what you did. You finished high school, and then you put your four years in at college, and then you, you did your nine to five, you paid your taxes, and, like, you know how the story goes. But, like, did your high school encourage entrepreneurship at all? Like, did you know that that was a path that was an option at that point? No, not at all, actually. So... In my high school, it was just, you know, the basic classes. You had to take your um, credits and everything like that. Make sure you take um, what are your core classes and then your electives and everything like that. But as far as electives go, I mean, I took gym class, like, probably, like, six times just to, like, <laughs> knock it out, you know. And then, you know, I was taking, like, Calc. I was taking Calc 1 when I was a senior. And, um, you know, because I was, like, really stuck in, like, the 9 to 5 paradigm. So I wouldn't really say there was anything in high school that... You know they offered I think they offered like a business 101 class but like I wasn't really interested in business okay. I mean I guess I was I just didn't know it and there just wasn't really like what I wanted to do I was kind of just one of those kids that like get your core classes out of the way get your electives get your degree go to college and stuff like that so I wouldn't really say my high school ever had like any full-on opportunities you know like this is how you start a business this is what you do when you run into problems this is how you market sell um, take care of customers, employees, manage people, like everything that comes into like a living, breathing, successful company. Yes. I would not say that high school or college um, has anything to do with teaching people the right mindset, nope. skills, or anything like that. I concur. And it's crazy because I do agree on some levels that like I want, I want my doctor to go to university. I want my lawyer to go to university and things like that. But that cookie cutter paradigm of doing your college years just is not applicable to everyone. And I feel like no one ever tells you that. 
And so it's crazy because growing up, my dad was always starting businesses. Um, he now runs a flooring company, but he was going through four or five different companies while I was growing up. So I always kind of got to see the struggle side of that. And like now he's doing well, but I never got to see the byproduct of all of that hard work growing up. And so I always was like, well, I don't want to fucking do that. That looks like a lot of work for no return. And so that was a big influence on me as I got later on and was able to reflect on that why I got into entrepreneurship. Um, did your parents do anything that kind of helped encourage you to get closer to the entrepreneurial field or what did what did they do while you were growing up? So my dad was a firefighter and my mom sold RV insurance. So like, if anything, like I, I was gonna be the first person in my family to graduate from college. But, you know, sitting, actually, when I first got started in entrepreneurship, I got in touch with some really, really incredible individuals that just, like, really just completely challenged my thinking and, like, really just, like, where I kind of, like, found, like fit in. And my first mentor, it's funny you say that, my, my first mentor really just opened up my eyes because he, he was asking me, he was like, Evan, why, why are you going to school? And I was like... I was like, well, I'm getting a finance degree so that I can learn like the financial side of business. You know, I'll get into like a be financial analyst or financial advisor for 10 years, get up enough money, and then just start my own business, right? That was like my thinking. And then he was just talking to me and he was like, well, like, what do you, like, what do you actually want to do? And I was like, well, I want to own companies. I want to, you know, manage people. I want to have employees. I want to be able to like market and do sales and everything like that. And um, he's just like, okay, like how, how much money do you want to make a year? And I was like, well, I want to be a millionaire, right? And so that's probably like the worst thing to tell him, but it was like the most beautiful thing at the time because he was like, okay, let me ask you something. Do you think your college professors have ever made a million dollars in their life? And I was like, I, I mean, think maybe? about that. I was like, I mean, maybe. And he's like, so why are you learning from people who don't have what you want? And then he kind of went into like, you know, you want your doctors to go to university and stuff like that. And I was like, he really just laid down this paradigm shift for me where he was like, if you want to be a brain surgeon, right? Like if you want to be a brain surgeon, you go to school to be a brain surgeon. You don't go to your school's janitor to learn how to work on people's brains and everything like that and cut them open and stuff, right? So why are you learning from people from business who haven't even done what you want to do? And that just hit me and I was just like, wow, like you're so right. And so then that's kind of just like really like what inspired me. And I was kind of just sitting in class the next few weeks and I was like, all this stuff that I'm learning right now is like stuff that they were just handed. It was just curriculum, right? The professors are just handed the curriculum and then they just told to teach it, right? And they get paid forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, which isn't bad. Like, which if you is want not to do that, nearly enough for educating people, though. It drives no, me nuts. no, nurses and teachers. If if any of you are nurses or teachers, God bless you. You guys are seriously the backbone of this country. Like, I have the most respect for you guys, policemen and firefighters as well too, and everybody in the military. So, um, no disrespect to anything there. If you're a teacher or anything like that, it's just I thought it was just a little unethical. Um, teaching kids something that you haven't done yourself. 100%. No, I agree. That's crazy. That's really cool that he, he made that comparison because I've never really thought about that because most of those college professors are salary capped or they're on tenure or whatever. So they're making 100K a year and they're trying to teach you how to make seven figures. Interesting. So did he give you any other piece of advice on top of that that really struck you because... That was that's really insightful actually. That's really cool. 
Yeah, I mean, my mentors, he he really just laid down like a ton of information. Like I'm sure it'll probably come up more in this podcast, but I mean, that was really just kind of like the defining moment. I mean, it was already yeah. kind of three, four months into entrepreneurship and I mm-hmm. I didn't believe in myself at the time, but like everybody else around me, Kanoa, Kanoa, if you're listening to this, um, Eric Wright, um, these like mentors, these first mentors that I have, Austin, uh, really just inspired me. It was just like, I need to surround myself with these kids because these kids are going places, they've done it, they've hit the six figure mark. They're 21, 23, 24, 25 years old. And it's just like, that's almost like unheard of, right? And so I was just kind of like, if you want to be people that you aspire to be, you need to do what you, you need to do what they do, say what they say, and you'll have what they have. Yep. Whew. Fire. Yeah. You need to surround yourself with like-minded individuals in order to grow. There's that whole, your network is your net worth, but I feel like it's deeper than that. I feel I like, that. I feel like that's very very tip of the iceberg and that it goes a lot deeper than that oh yeah but so you're kind of you were going through college you realized that maybe that wasn't exactly for you how big of a role did mentors play in your growth from that point to now 100 percent. they were literally like the backbone you know like because entrepreneurship's not easy you know a lot of people it's like you know like no. you just said it's like the tip of the iceberg you know people see People see the fancy cars, they see the clothes, they see the success, they see the good lifestyle and everything, but they don't see the determination. They don't see the long nights, the disappointments, the frustrations, the stress, the anxiety, um, the months, the months where you don't get paid. Sometimes the years, the weeks that you don't get paid. It's like, it's, man, it's struggle. So my mentors were just like, seriously, like there from like A to Z the whole time, just pushing me, encouraging me, like Evan, like you've got so much talent, just like let us help you and like I finally it's probably about like six months in I finally just made a decision I burned the ships I just burned the ships and I just went 100% in full in I was like I'm committed I'm sticking to this this is what I'm doing right in and out no matter what happens just go all in no I love it yeah there's a quote that I always like the reference to by uh, Elon Musk and he said that entrepreneurship is kind of like chewing glass and staring into the abyss it was the best way that he was able to describe it when starting his companies. That was how he described it to people. And I was like, that is incredibly accurate. And no one that is not an no one that is not an entrepreneur, anyone that's not an entrepreneur would not understand that in the least bit. But by your reaction, you got it. You're oh, like, that's so funny. You're like, I feel it. You're like, I feel that. So, that hits home. So what type of struggles then have you encountered through your climb through the entrepreneurial journey oh man when I started it was great (laughs) it was like kind of just kind of like blind faith Um, I started with a solar company first doing sales and um, I was like super excited about it super passionate and everything like that Um, I sold my grandma my first solar system ever actually she was a blessing Uh, made like $3,500 in a day and I was like man like I haven't even had a comma in my bank account before and I just did this in a day (laughs) like and so that was really inspiring, inspiring. And so I was like, man, like I need to do this more. But you know, I kind of had like a big ego. I was like, I got a comma in my bank account. Like I'm, I'm balling, right? And so like I kind of just like chilled for a month and month and a half, and uh, just was. I had a girlfriend at the time that lived in Nebraska, and so I would go out and travel and see her, and I would go up to like Boulder and uh, CSU up in Fort Collins, and really just go and see all my buddies and just live life. Like I was just living life, but it was 100% commission. So. Ran out of um, the $3,500 that I made. I think I had like like 
like six hundred dollars in my bank account, and I was like, okay, it's time to hustle. <laughs> that thirty five hundred didn't last nearly as long as you thought it would, did it? I went fast, bro. Thirty five hundred dollars <laughs> is uh, it's not much money, but uh, <laughs> so. Um, so then I got back from Nebraska and I had like 600 bucks in my bank account mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, it's time to hustle. Um, let's go, all in. let's go all in. And, uh, I remember this week so clearly. I was just like on top of the world, high vibes. There's so much energy flowing within the company that we were in. Things were happening. I brought on like 12, 13 sales guys. And, um, I remember specifically, uh, the, the uh, latter end of April of 2017 where I just went out and I think there was one day I booked like 11 leads in a day. The next day I went out and booked like eight leads. Um, I got like six leads like a couple days after that. And like the next two weeks we're going to all these closes and everything like that. I closed six solar deals in two weeks. And so like the average sale was like 2750 or something like that. So I've made like $13,600 in like two weeks and I was 20 years old. And uh, so that was like, oh, I'm balling, bro. Like I just came off a $3,500 check and I just made it back in five figures in two weeks. I was like, I'm straight, right? So I was like, this entrepreneurship thing is like, it's like, it's, it's thing is this is fun, dude. Like I was an everyone an entrepreneur, right? Cause kind of just like comes back to that blind faith. Yep. You know, I was on a real, I was on like a real high on life. And then, um, so towards the end of the year, you know, I got an opportunity to move out to San Francisco and the sales team that I had built up from like 12 to 13 people kind of went down to like five to six. And then this was mid-August. And so we're out in San Francisco and it's like me and like two, three of my sales guys. There's three of us out there in San Francisco and uh, this, in this house on a lake. And it was like the most beautiful, beautiful house I ever lived in. And um, everything was going smoothly out there. You know, I was uh, told like, you know, like we're going to get our rent paid for. And I was gonna get a car out there, so I'll be able to travel and everything like that, paid for by the company. And then, um, you know, things kind of switched up. Uh, there was a lot of like unethical stuff going on that I just like did not like vibe with, and um, just kind of like some bad business practices that were going on. And so, like, I saw like how my team, my sales team that I built, was being treated. We started the year with like 13 people on my team, and now we're like down to three. And so I was like, you know, we're losing momentum. And when I got out to San Francisco, I put in like one solar deal. I um, made like $4,000 or was supposed to make $4,000 and um, this was in September and you know there's a lot of stuff going on in in San Francisco a lot of stuff happening that I didn't necessarily agree with and so I'm kind of just like waiting for these deals how how we're supposed to get paid it's 50% up front 50% on the back end 100% commission and so I put in this deal in September and like a month goes by and like I still hadn't been paid on that first deal that I put in well then it's like I think it was October I just like slammed in like four deals I like was right around like $9,000 or something like that so a total of like right around twelve to $13,000 that I was supposed to make and some kind of just some stuff I won't go into detail kind of went down it was just like one of, with the CEO and one of my sales guys and I didn't really like it and so on top of the losing momentum treating my sales team like not the way that I wanted them to be treated and I was just kind of taking all this in you know I hadn't gotten a car um we had we like we got charged rent out there as well too so we're kind of like swindled into like paying rent never got the car sales team wasn't being treated everything like that and I was like screw this living in San Francisco is sweet but I'm going back to Colorado and we're just gonna rock it out there and so I come back to Colorado same thing at the beginning of the year I didn't really have a job didn't know what I was gonna do 
And I was kind of just like on full send mode, kind of just on full faith, like just like God take care of me, universe take care of me. And uh, was um, really just kind of like hopeful. And I was, ta- I was talking to the CEO of the company and he was like, yeah, we're gonna get you paid. We're gonna get you your $12,000, 12, $13,000. You're gonna get paid, you're gonna get paid. And this is like November time. This is like end of November. November of 2017, correct? November of 2017, okay. correct. Yep, so I was 21. And then so I'm back in Colorado. I'm like, hey, like, I put in five deals, like where's this money? It's been four months since I put like these deals in. I still haven't seen $1 from these deals or anything like that. Like I was like, he um, was making me like pay him rent and stuff like that, even though I was still back in Colorado and uh, for like the company housing. And so I got back to Colorado and this is the most brutal struggle I've ever been with in my life. I get back to Colorado and like I said, I didn't have like a job plan. I didn't have anything planned. I like was, you know, I was living off a bankroll from mid-August to essentially mid-January from in San Francisco and come back to Colorado just on bankroll. It was intense. And so I get back. Expensive places to live Expensive, too. yeah. And so, <laughs> and so I get back to Colorado. My best friend, Kyler, you know, who put together Pro Painters, the company that we co-own now, um, hits me up. He's like, hey, Evan, my salesman just quit last month. How would you feel about coming and selling for me? And I was like, yes, like, let's go. Let's, I'm all in already. And so this was like the first week that I was back. Actually, it was the day that I got back from San Francisco. So he offered me like a position in the company just as a salesman. And um, just like the next month, month and a half were just brutal man i got back from san francisco and my plates on my car were expired and uh they expired in october and so i had a grace period in november to get them uh back up to date and so i go to the emission shop i need to get my emissions done i go to the emission shop and it fails emissions and i'm like trying to figure out you know like what's going on with my car like you know like it's not passing emissions my license plates are expired i got three days to get my plates I have to pay for my plates um, after just living off a bankroll in San Francisco for four, four and a half months, five months or so. And um, things were just like not really going the best way that I wanted it to. So I was kind of just bummed about that. And I was going to meet up with Kyler. I was on the highway on I-25 heading to like downtown Denver. And my car dies on the side of the highway in traffic. And I like, not only one, did I hold up traffic, but two, I had to call two tow trucks because the first tow truck that I called didn't take me back to Parker, Colorado. They only stayed within the Denver area. So I had to call that one. That was um, like 50 bucks or so or whatever. And then the one that I had to take back from Parker was like 140. And so I was like dealing with like the emissions on my car. I need to get my license plates done. My Like now my tags are expired. It's like December 3rd. And I was just really kind of just like bummed out. My car was sitting in my garage. It wasn't working. And we were just like shaking, like I was just shaking my head, man. I was like, man, what is going on right now? And so um, I was really just bummed out sitting at home. And you know, I'm, I uh, don't really like going to the grocery store a lot. I think it's kind of like a waste of time. I just like to buy my groceries in bulk. I buy like a lot of frozen food and okay. then like frozen broccoli and just stuff like that, just so I can make it really fast, right? So and I don't have to go to the store four or five times a week and just like waste a lot of time at the grocery store. Interesting, and can I interrupt you here real quick? I'm, I, I'm sorry, but why do you why do you think you do that? I think that's really interesting because I always buy my groceries for like two or three days at a time. I tend to not do any more than that because I go and get fresh produce and I kind of do the European thing where I, I have like my meals for the day and I buy the food that day. And even though it's more more time consuming, I found overall it's just been more efficient for me. Is there any reasoning behind why you try to just go and buy in 
bulk like that? Yeah, the reason that I do like to buy in bulk is just because I try to think in terms of like income producing activities, right? So I'm not trying to be at the grocery store or at the car shop or like changing my oil or doing anything like that. I know that sounds kind of like a big ego, but it's really just a time thing for me, right? Like if I can just go to the grocery store one time a month, then I don't have to go two, three times a week to buy fresh produce and stuff like that. And the frozen stuff, it still holds all the nutrients and everything like that as the fresh ones. And so it's just really just a more time efficient for me. If that's how you like to run it, that's how you like to run it then. But um, anyway, so I was, I go to the store and I was like, okay, so I don't like going to the store a lot. I'm just going to buy groceries for like a month and a half. So, um, my car isn't working, had to buy tow trucks, uh, missions, car failed emissions, license plates are expired, everything like that. I go to the store, I buy a month and a half worth of groceries. Three days later, my fridge takes a shit. And all of the groceries that I bought literally just went to waste. No. Every single thing. Dude, I bought like chicken, I bought like seven or eight pounds of just like vegetables and everything like that. And so like the fridge takes a dump. I have like, I'm trying to salvage it. I'm putting in like a cooler and everything like that. And, you know, it's just like one thing after another with this. And so, like, I go back to, so we finally get my car running, actually. And we turn out, it turns out it was a fuse. So not having a car for, like, six or seven days really, like, put me behind because, like, I need to be, like, putting in sales and stuff like that. And so um, I go back to the emission shop. We finally get my car running. Emissions fails again. Mm. Again. And then that night I get pulled over by a police officer because my plates are expired. And with, so, with a failed emissions with failed emissions and I was like preaching to the choir man I was like officer please like I'm trying to get my emissions passed my car is not running my fridge just took a dump on me I lost all the groceries like I had to buy a tow truck the other day I haven't had like a paycheck since like mid August like and I'm, t- I'm pretty much just like begging, begging at this point like, yeah. begging at this point <laughs> you're like, so, have like mercy have mercy on me. on me and so um turns out we take it to a mechanic and he's like yeah like you need to like switch out the exhaust on your car it's like not the best for like emissions and i'm like okay had to pay like the mechanic for you know taking the swapping out the exhaust on my car so i had to pay for that too and it was just like it was intense and then i got not even including like all like the bills and everything that i have like we got like four or five hundred dollars worth of bills a month too and uh, so I've got like all on top of that, dude. It was just a struggle ever so since I got back. From giant the shit show, right? Giant now. shit show. And okay. so, with this painting company, I got started in mid winter, right? Like in Colorado, like nobody's painting their houses or anything like that in mid winter. So like, <laughs> I probably got started at the worst possible time. And I'm trying to like, you know, like do everything I can just to like, you know, build up like income again and everything like that. And and. Uh, trying to get people to can like help them like paint their houses and stuff like that so their like siding doesn't rot and everything they don't have to replace all their siding and um finally we sell like i sell my first job in like mid-january so it's like mid-august when the last time i got paid i think my last paycheck was like two three thousand dollars or something and then <clears throat> living on bankroll and then finally mid-january sold another job for this painting company and made like four figures in my first, that was like the first four figure week that I had in 2018, which was pretty sweet. And I was like building some fat momentum with um, the painting company and stuff like that. And I was like, word, like you can still make fat, like you can still make good money with this painting company. You just throw in like six or seven deals a week. And um, that was kind of like my mindset. And so, you know, then like make like the four figures in like the week. And after that, things kind of, you know, just started picking up and everything like that. And then my mentor, who my mentor is now, Faustin, 
Faustin, if you're listening, dude, I love you, man. The amount of knowledge and stuff that you give me is unbelievable. So Faustin hits me up and I had been trying to get a hold of Faustin for like eight months. You know, we were, we'd been connected in the past, but we we're never like homies or anything like that. And um, I'm just hitting him up, like asking him, you know, like, what are you doing for like work? Like, I know you're just slaying it right now. You're crushing it. Let me just like be in your circle. Well, I want to know like what you're learning about. I want to like pull some value from you. And uh, he finally texted me back. So I probably have texted him probably like 16 times and just <laughs> never heard back from him. And then this one time he's just like, what are you doing right now? And I was like, well, I'm just, I'm just hanging out with Kyler right now talking about prep painters. And then he gives me a call and he's, you know, um, just like immediately. And um, so he's kind of just like asking me what we're doing. I was like, oh, I'm invested into cryptocurrencies. And, uh, but I really want to learn how to like day trade these things because my best friend, Matt Wood, had been invested into cryptocurrencies for like six months or whatever, in like mid, mid 2017, so right around like June, July area. And so he was just telling me, Evan, you need to get invested in cryptocurrencies. You need to get invested in cryptocurrencies. And my best friend Kyler bought three Bitcoin in the beginning of 2017 for $600. And oh, it was like, this is back. Get, he did get him then. Yep. Good for him, man. Yep. Good and so, for him. Yeah. And so uh, he spent like $1,800 on three coins of Bitcoin. And so it's like, it's like, is fantastic right now. It's like March. And he's like, yo, Bitcoin's up to three grand. And I was like putting it on my radar. And I was like, geez, like this thing was $600 at the beginning of the year. And uh, then it's like June and Kyler's like, hey, Bitcoin's up to $8,000. And I'm like, dude, like what is going on? Like, <laughs> I've never seen this before. And uh, so it's like November and Matt's hitting me up. He's like, dude, you need to get invested in cryptocurrencies. And I was like, all right, man, I'll throw $100 into it. And so I threw $100 into it and I actually flipped, I forgot about this. I flipped $100 into $1,300 in a month back in November. So I actually did make some income from mid-August to um, mid-January, just kind of like by accident. By, <laughs> so, by trading. Just by, yeah, trading, just not even really trading, just holding on to these currencies. And so kind of coming back to what I was talking about with Faustin. Faustin calls me and we're just talking about different, different cryptocurrencies that we're invested in. And um, he's like, have you ever looked at Forex? And I was like, I don't even know what Forex is. And he's like, well, it's one of the largest financial institutions in the world. It's a $5.9 trillion a day industry. You just got to like check it out with me. And I was like, my mindset was like, I back in November, I was watching Bitcoin go from like $8,000 to like $14,000 in like a week. And I'm like, dude, if you could buy Bitcoin at like 8,000 and cash out at 14K yep. and make like $6,000 in a week, I was like, you like that's that's money right like you don't even have to work you're literally just letting your money work for you and yep. so when i first got invested into cryptocurrencies i was holding for the long term and i wanted to know how to day trade these things so bad and i was like i want to catch bitcoin at like eight grand when it goes to 14 drops down to 12 goes up to sixteen thousand, and just like catch these waves yep and uh so Fawson's like yo let's take a look at like the foreign exchange market i think it's something that'll really help you out um, I'll teach you how to day trade and everything like that. And I was just sold from that point. I was like, yes, like what, like whatever we need to do to teach me the skill set to learn how to trade these things, because I want to start cashing out on Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, Verge, all these other coins and stuff like that. Ripple, um, EOS, like NEO, all these coins and everything like that. And so for anyone listening, you should check into all of those because they're all fantastic coins. That was an incredible list to just throw out there real quick. He covered all the basic ones that you can buy on Coinbase Exchange, but then all the other ones you have to go on. You use Binance, right? I use Binance. Okay, yeah. And yep. I use I use Bitrex. So check out either of those if you're trying to trade some of the altcoins because there's, there's some money in there right now. Yeah. And so then my journey just kind of like 
it's picking up with propaners. You know, things are going like a little bit slow and, uh, you know, it's just so kind of like winter and everything like that. And then, so I throw $300 into the foreign exchange market and just learning through my mentors, just kind of like osmosis. Um, Christopher Derrick as well too. Christopher Derrick is a phenomenal human being. I love that dude to death. And um, along with Faustin's mentorship as well too. Um, I turned $300 into $500 in about a week with actual money. So trading like the US dollar for the Euro or like trading the US dollar for the Australian dollar, trading the US dollar for Japanese yen, Great Britain pound, like all these other different currencies, like real currencies. But like to trade like actual currencies for cryptocurrencies is like the same concept. And so like, that's really like what I was looking at. And so that's kind of like how I got started into Forex. And it's like my mentality behind that is like, I want to have like, so your average millionaire has six streams of income. Okay. And, uh, but I don't want to be your average millionaire. Right. So like, <laughs> um, I want to have like eight streams of income. And so like, I've got pro painters going for me. I've got my cryptocurrencies working for me. I've got this other company that I'm involved with. And then now I'm also trading Forex. Right. So I've got four streams of income right now. And that's really just kind of like my mindset right now. And so I've got like the invested into Forex and really just picking up steam with everything like that. Um, coming back from San Francisco, going through all those struggles. I tell you what, those were the hardest, the hardest points in my life to like ever get through. But looking back now, you know, I've got like more like back on my feet and everything like that. Looking back, like I'm so grateful for those moments because like without those moments, like I'm just like really proud of myself because like without going through those moments, I wouldn't be like the person who I am today, right? Like I kind of look back on like when my parents got divorced. I, c I could have took that and been like a victim, right? But I decided just to take that and feel it and be like, you know what? Like I'm making something out of my life no matter what happens, I'm riding this out. And I made that promise to myself when I first got into entrepreneurship that no matter what happens, I'm gonna ride it out until, you know, the wheels fall off. And then I'm gonna, you know keep riding it keep riding it dude and so no that's fantastic dude. everything was sweet with entrepreneurship and then just like for like you know five to six months or so it's just kind of like just struggling man and i was telling you like it's it's uh, not for the faint of heart but if you can just have the persistency and the faith and really like what it just comes down to is just wanting something to be like bigger than yourself yep. and like i yep. think that's honestly just like what got me through it you know and so like and it was even tough too because like when I got back my friends and family were like dude like just get a regular job man like just stop doing the entrepreneur thing like you tried it it was fun just you've already done it just like get like a regular job go like you know finish school everything like that like I probably plan on finishing school um, eventually like when the time comes when I'm done you know I'm, I've built myself as an entrepreneur enough to where I can just pay for school with cash and um, to any advice for any of you that are looking to get into entrepreneurship, don't let the struggles steer you away from living your dreams and passions because one thing if I've ever learned from my mentors, it's that you have problems for a reason. And one of the reasons that like a lot of people in society have problems is because they don't think they're supposed to have problems. But if you can take those struggles and learn those life lessons through everything that you know happened to you and you can take them and turn them into like something positive, Dude, like, there's nothing that you can't accomplish. And, like, right now, like, I just, like, I honestly don't feel like there's anything that I can't accomplish. You're unstoppable, man. You're on that flow. Uh, most people might not even know this from listening to this, but we actually met for the first time, like, a week ago. We connected on Instagram a few weeks ago, but we never really talked. We have a mutual friend, 
and we were both at the Tony Robbins and Gary Vaynerchuk seminar here in Denver, and we just ended up linking up, and right off the bat, I just noticed that you had incredible energy, you were super positive, you were super fired. Where do you think that comes from? Because like you just said, there have been so many ups and downs along this journey, but consistently through it all, you maintained a positive mindset and just kept on working, moving forward. Like, where do you think that comes from? I, I honestly don't know. You know, like, I think it's like, I think it like a little confusing. Like, I don't really see myself as like a positive person, but it's funny, like everyone always tells me like, you're so positive all the time, you're so upbeat. Like, how are you always just like, it just like in a good mood. And I think it just kind of confuses me because I'm just like, how are you not? Like, how are you just not in a good mood all the time? Like, how, like, how are you not happy and stuff like that? You have so much to be like grateful for. And uh, if it's one thing that I learned is just appreciation, especially from Tony Robbins, right? There's really only two emotions in this world but there's like a lot of subcategories that we get, right? So there's like depression, fear, anxiety, happiness, sadness. Um, you got like confidence, you got all these different emotions, but it really comes down to, and you can separate it into certainty and uncertainty. And so I guess I don't really view myself as a positive person. I guess I just view myself as a person that is certain of where he's going and certain of like where I'm gonna be. And like I said, I just made that promise to myself just like no matter what happened, I'm just gonna write it out. And so I guess it's kind of just like inevitable that people think that I'm a positive person just cause I just like, I don't know, man, I just like have that fire in me just to like help other people. And like, I really, really, really just wanna open up people's mindsets and show them like, hey, there's other things you can do other than working 40 hours a week for 40 years of life, yes. retiring on a 40% paycheck, right? Yes. And that's kind of just like the dream that we're being sold right now, like the average the, the millennial, like the average person right now retires at the age of 65 if they even have enough money to retire. I was reading an article that was talking about millennials are gonna have to work until they're 75 years old until they can retire. That's terrifying. Some of them, some of them won't even be able to retire ever. And so that I decided that wasn't gonna be me, right? And so another thing that I catch like some flack for is like, Evan, you're always so money motivated, right? And then I get this too, this always cracks me up. People are like, <laughs> Evan, like money isn't everything. Money isn't going to make you happy. And I'm like, I agree with you, but not having money is not going to make me happy either. Right? Facts. Because I've not had money and had bills coming up. And I'll tell you my attitude towards everybody else was not the best. No. And I've also had money and been able to travel and been able to go out to San Francisco and been able to go out to Las Vegas and all these other beautiful places, Nebraska, LA, all these places and stuff like that. And it's just so much more like of a rewarding lifestyle. And it's like money, I agree, money can't buy happiness. We all know that, that's a fundamental. But the thing that comes down to it is money allows you to do the things that make yep. you happy, right? So if yep. you wanna go, I've never seen a sad person on a jet ski. <laughs> right? Like, I'm sorry, but like, I've never seen a sad person on a jet ski. And if you don't have money, then you can't buy a jet ski or a boat, or you can't take your family yep. on a trip, or you can't take your kid to the baseball games, the football games, um, any, anything that you want to do. You can't take them. Like my, my goals, I want to take my family all over the world. I want to show them different cultures. I want to show them Africa, South America, Canada, Australia. I want to go to Antarctica because why not? Yep. And like Alaska and I want to go on cruises and I want to like know like more about the world, right? And so like money is just a tool. So I think when people kind of confuse, you know, like Evan, you're so money motivated all the time. like there's more to life than just money it's like i agree with you but i'm just trying to retire when i'm 26 yep 
so I can <laughs> live the rest of the life that I don't have to work until I'm 75. Yep. Money is the means, not the goal. Exactly. And I feel like that's where people get misconstrued with that because you look as money, you look at money as leverage to be able to get you where you want to be. But the end goal isn't just to like, you're not just like, I'm going to make $10 million and then be happy. You're like, I'm going to keep using that money to my advantage, leveraging it in the proper way to build a lifestyle so that way my family can have all the things that I wasn't able to have. Right. It comes back to the why every time. I always say this, but the stronger your why and your reasoning is for something, the more likely it is that you're going to achieve it. 100% agree. 100%. Every time. It's crazy too because so many people don't understand that. Like you were saying, people always think that you're all you care about is the money, but you care about it because you know how to properly leverage it to get you where you see yourself. Exactly. Um, I want to go back just a little bit with something you said because I found that really interesting. Do you believe because your vision is so clear and that you know exactly where you want to go that that helps you wake up every morning? motivated and fired up and that that allows the process to go a little bit smoother like having a very clear idea of what you want yeah absolutely 100 percent. so i feel like a lot of the time a lot of people just kind of wake up and they don't really like know what they're like aiming for you know like you need to define it down to what house do you want to live in what kind of car do you want to drive what what color of like leather like what like leather do you want in your car what kind of color do you want your car to be you know like what you what do you want your husband or your wife to look like what do you like what do you want what kind of lifestyle do you want to provide for your kids where like do you want to live in the home where do, what countries do you want to travel to right and so like the more defined and definite that you can be in your journey you're just going to be able to just use that fuel and just wake up every morning like me like I wake up every morning and I'm just like fired up. Yeah, there are some mornings where I wake up and I just don't want to do anything that just happens to us. You know, it's inevitable. Yeah. We're, we're, I'm human. I'm not perfect. Yes. By any means. But it definitely helps, you know, like just knowing like where I want to be and I'm just not going to stop until I get there. Even though despite all these hurdles and obstacles and stuff like that, but kind of like what I was saying was like every time I come into a hurdle or an obstacle or something that like wants to stop me, it's just like, what lesson can I learn from this? You know, and so like, I never look at anything that like any of like my failures, I don't even really call them failures. I just look at them as like lessons. So like the whole solar thing, I'm so grateful for that, everything that happened to me because I've been down to rock bottom, yep. you know? And it, like, I was survived. And like, yep. now that I'm up, you know, I'm still like getting back on my feet and everything like that. And um, just connecting and networking with people and everything like that. Since I've been to rock bottom, it's like I'm not afraid to go back because I've already been through it and it wasn't that bad, right? So like yeah. we get a lot of fear in our minds because like, you know, like, oh, like this could happen, this this could fail, this could happen or whatever. And I'm just like, dude, let's just send it. Like, and just find <laughs> out what happens later. And <laughs> like, we'll just work through the problems then. Yeah. And if stuff gets like, you know, mixed up, if stuff starts happening and stuff, um, we'll just figure it out. Definitely. Like the worst thing that could possibly happen is I don't even know. Like, I really couldn't even tell you what. Like, you have to sleep on the streets you, you, for a couple you, days. You like, go back really to worst? where you started. You go back to where you started, but with That's more clarity worst. and more knowledge, exactly. right? So it's yep. like, I don't know, understand how people, you know, try yep. something one time and just give up. Like, I never really understood that mentality, and I kind of feel bad for people because I'm like, once you realize that the problems are happening for you and not against you, then you can kind of have a paradigm shift of like whatever you're going through. If you ha if you're just graduated from college 
and you haven't found that job, you haven't found that internship, you haven't been connecting with people and stuff like that, just having that persistence just to continue through with everything. 100%. And then speaking of mornings, do you have any routines, habits, or anything that you do when you wake up to kind of prime yourself for the day that you wanted to share for the people listening? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do have a morning routine. It's something that I never really liked. That Well, when I first got into entrepreneurship, um, it's something that I kind of like heard about, you know, it's like kind of important and stuff like that. But then my mentor was like, how you start something is how you finish something, right? So if you start the day off, just like, not not perfectly, but if you just start the day off super, super strong, that momentum from the morning is gonna carry you to the night, yeah. right? And then you get, yeah. get your sleep and you wake up and you just do the next thing. So like my biggest things, I've done like a lot of research on like the most successful people in the world. And I really just have made my mornings look exactly like theirs. That's like, a really good idea. Right? I mean, like, it kind of comes back to, like, look at someone who has what you want, do what they do, say what they say, and you'll have what they have every time. Like, success leaves clues. Success drops clues all the time. And it's like, if you just do it, it's a blueprint, right? Like, if you want to be successful, study success. Like, there are thousands of books for people to be able to, like, read about other successful people. There's Elon Musk biography, Jeff Bezos uh, biography. You got Shoe Dog from uh, Phil Knight, right? The CEO of Nike. Have you read that book? I have not yet. Oh, that's on my list. I was going to ask you if it was good or not. I have not, but I've had a couple buddies read it. And so my morning routine came from, you know, billionaires, millionaires, um, people who are just like, have what I want. And it's just like, you hear them talk about all the time, how you start your morning is how you finish the day. And so... A lot of successful people I heard, you know, like wake up, they meditate in the morning, they don't touch their phones, they um, really think about what they need to do for the day. They already have their day planned out, right? Because yeah. like I was listening to Brian Tracy, one of the most successful salesmen in the world, and he always talks about, you know, get your most challenging task done in the morning because we must have, we have the most willpower, right? Yeah. And like willpower is finite, like like we know that. Yes. And um, you only have so much during the day, so yep. get all your <laughs> most important tasks out of the way in the morning. So first thing that I that I do when I wake up, excuse me, is I immediately get hydrated because you know, like what you were just talking about, you know, earlier in the day, I know we didn't talk about it on this podcast is our bodies lose like what? Like a gallon, it's a of, gallon water. of water while you sleep, a gallon you, you of water, evaporate a gallon of water while you sleep. That's insane. Like, I, I guess I kind of knew that I knew that we lose water while we sleep. I didn't know it was a gallon. And so when I wake up, I immediately get hydrated. Right, so I get some water from my Kangen machine. Everyone's like, "What is that little Japanese machine thing?" But like, <laughs> no, I love that thing, and so gets me super hydrated in the morning. And then that way, like, you have a clear mind. And then yep. so, right after that, I take a freezing cold shower. And a lot of you are going to be like, "Oh, that's disgusting. I'll never do that." Um, but the reason that I take a cold shower is because there's been a lot of studies done that it improves like immune system. Uh, your nervous system, like it puts you in like a better mood. And I really just take cold showers to just put me like in a good mood instantly. And I like the light feeling that it gives me, right? When you get out of a cold shower and you're just freezing cold and you finally get over it and your body just feels like in a light mood. I think that kind of comes from the adrenaline, right? And so when you take a cold shower, your body gets shocked with adrenaline. And so if you immediately wake up and get hydrated, take a cold shower, you're already starting your day off on a, on a good foot, right? And so I also to keep in mind, I don't touch my phone for the first hour and a half of the day. So I wake up at seven. I don't even look at the thing for an hour and a half just because like social media and text messages and emails and phone calls and stuff like that, they deplete the serotonin in your brain. Yep. And so when you wake up and the first thing you look at is your phone, you immediately get like a dopamine rush. Yep. And it just like, 
the dopamine doesn't last. And so, you know, that's how you people get like that two, three thirty feeling or whatever during the midday, they want to take a nap and everything like yep. that. Now that naps aren't crucial. I take naps all the time to re-energize myself. But so then, and then I read a book. So like I read like a chapter out of a book. I try to read for probably right around, I aim for like 45 minutes to an hour. Sometimes I'll, I won't just have enough time, so I'll read for like 30 minutes. Or, or if I don't even have time to read, I'll throw on a podcast, but I'll still leave my yep. phone off. But you showed up to that particular task that you had to do, whether you got in podcast form or you looked at a book for five minutes. I firmly believe it's the discipline of at least doing it and being present in it that matters even more so than the length of how long you do it for. Yeah, I agree 100% because... What you do when you train yourself, your brain, to take the cold showers, to read the book, to meditate, another, I'll get into meditation here in a sec, but when you can do all this, our subconscious brain makes up 90 to 95% of the decisions that we have like for the day, right? And so a lot of people think that we think with our conscious brain, but we don't. So what you're doing is you're training your subconscious brain just to be disciplined already in the morning, right? And so it's like kind of like rewarding yourself subconsciously on an, un on an unconscious level. And... When you can do these disciplines, it just like propels you through the day. And so like the first hour and a half is to myself. I don't talk to anybody. I don't look at my phone. I read. I make sure to take a cold shower. And then I go upstairs and I meditate and I do appreciation. So I tell um, after everything, I tell like at least like four or five people that are really close to me, like how much just I appreciate them and how much I value them as a person. Because if you can just tell someone that, you know, like how much you like love them or appreciate them and stuff like that, that's going to put you in a good mood, right? It's yep. like if you ever given like, yep. you know, if you've ever given something and not expecting anything in return, like that feeling is like phenomenal. And if you can do that yes. as well, too. And so I go upstairs and then I, I meditate and a lot of people kind of think it's like a little weird. But like if you look at like Oprah Winfrey or Tony Robbins or Brian Tracy or Grant Cardone or Gary Vaynerchuk, they all do this. Like I said, success leaves clues. And uh, so I go upstairs and I meditate. And this is like where it kind of came into like the visualization, you know, like having that clarity of like where I want to go. Like I know how much money I want to make in a year. Mm -hmm. I know what, what, what I want my houses to look like. I want a house in like South Carolina, California, Florida, Canada, New Zealand. Um, I want like all these houses. I want one in Texas because I just like Texas a lot too. I want like two or three in the mountains in Colorado and um just like places all over the world so i think about that the stuff that i think about i also think about you know like what am i gonna, what am i going to do for today and i just close my eyes and i think about like how am i going to attack like the problems for today like am i going to go 100 percent in or am i just going to go 50 or 60 percent in or like what like what is my day going to look like and so then you know i meditate for probably like 10 15 minutes or so and then once i get done meditating like that's actually I was reading an article, if you meditate for three months, you're like the, the uh, capacity of your brain increases like 84%. Ooh, I like believe it. That's having that like brain power is like yeah. crucial because like a lot of people don't realize like how much like your thoughts and your brain power and your willpower really come into effect. Yes. Right. And so yes. like, I'm so big on meditation, man. So I'm so glad that you're covering that. But that's like a huge thing for me because I found that we all have these like thoughts and distracting voices in our head that are just bouncing around all day and people put so much time and focus onto these unnecessary thoughts that meditation allows you to just like I picture my brain as an etch-a-sketch when I meditate and I shake that bitch completely clean I really do that's why I picture it in my head like an etch-a-sketch uh. <laughs> I, I shake that bitch clean and you just blank slate and it allows you to perform at such a higher level and you get out of like meditating 
and you, you just feel clarity and refreshed and just ready to take on the day. Right, yeah. Well, uh, I was actually doing like a lot of research on meditation, and the reason that so many successful people meditate is because of something that's called like the law of attraction, or like a lot of people don't really believe in it, but it is a, it is real, right? Like thoughts are things. Yep. Like measurable biggest, forms of energy. It's the biggest thing. Like if we didn't, like if our brains couldn't do anything, I mean, um, let me rephrase this. Thoughts are what has built society, right? Like, so when you look at those skyscrapers, where do you think those skyscrapers came from? Do you think someone was just like, let's build an object 600 feet in the air with all these elevators and stuff like that? No, they started in the mind first. Yep. Right? So they started with someone's thoughts. Someone was like, yo, we need to have 600 offices in this building. How do we need to do this, right? And then then they took pen to paper. They took their thoughts to paper. And then they actually, you know, sat down and thought about how is this going to go out, right? And so meditation is huge because thoughts are things. Whatever you think about comes about and everything like that. And our actu- our, actually, like, our thoughts have, like, weight to them. And, like, a lot of people don't know this, too. So, like, when you're in, like, a really bad vibe or you're really sad and stuff like that, what you're doing is you're, since our thoughts have, like, these weight pulls to them, I guess that's what I'm going to call them for lack of a better term, is, like, since our thoughts have these weights, what you think about comes about. And so when you're having like a bad day, like more bad things just start to happen to you. And, but when on the flip side, if you can just get into like a state of appreciation and you start having good thoughts, more good things will happen to you. It's called the law of attraction. What you think about comes about. And so the more that you think about good things, the more things that'll happen to you in your life that are good. So. No, that's, sorry. (laughs) No, that's, that's really cool though. That was that's incredible. I'm glad that you covered that because I don't think anyone else that I've had on here has really covered meditation, mindfulness. Like I've tried to lead people into it, but it always blows my mind how many people are like unaware of the power that the mind has. The mind is incredible. The mind, the mind is an incredible thing. So after you started implementing all of these things into your life, how how did things change to where you're at currently today? How did, how did you start to see a shift in all of that? Well, for me, I've always been kind of like introverted. Yes. I've never really liked like talking to people. I mean, I guess I have. I'm, I'm sociable to an extent, but I don't really like, I consider myself like introverted. And so when I can really get my thoughts clear and everything, Um, It really just helps me with, like, talking to people. It helps me with, like, my mood. I get in, like, such a better mood. I get so much more done during the day just because I have that clarity. And, you know, like, sales just start coming in. I'm starting to network with powerful, powerful people. Matthew Rosa, one of my most influential mentors, is a multiple seven-figure earner, and he's 25 years old. And so, like, I'm, I'm able to talk on a frequency that him and I can actually hold and have a conversation and connect and I can grab his thoughts and ideas and stuff like that and actually process them. And so, like, it really just comes down to, you know, meditation helps with, like, uh, talking to people, um, getting in a better state of mind. Just It's just so effortless when you get into a clear mind and, like, in a positive frame and stuff like that. Just because good things just start happening all the time. Like, when you because our thoughts have weight to them. Yes, I agree. So... Tell me a little bit more about this painting business thing, because we haven't really covered that at all right now. So you got you got into this doing sales right when you got back from having that experience in San Francisco, um, and you have now grown to being one of the co-owners. It's doing seven figures. You guys did a couple hundred thousand last month. Like It's absolutely crushing it. 
how are things going with that? What's the structure kind of like for anyone who's trying to be in your position? Like, what type of advice or tips could you give them that you've learned from this whole growing experience? So when I first got started with Pro Painters, <clears throat> I was brought on as a salesman. And I guess I kind of, I'm just talented at sales. I guess I'm just good at talking to people. I guess I'm just kind of have like that personality, I mm -hmm. guess. I mean, I, I honestly truly believe anybody could do sales. Sales is just the transfer of emotions. I believe anybody could do sales just because everything is a sale, right? Mm -hmm. So you, if you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you want to go to a certain movie or you want to go to a certain restaurant, how do you convince them to do what you want to do? And it's not really convincing, but it's really just kind of like, how do you guys come to like a mutual agreement, like effortlessly without yeah. arguing and fighting and stuff like that, right? And so like, same thing with family members, if you're getting into an argument or like your wife or anything like that, or if you're running, if you get into like, uh, something that, you know, like if you're like in a traffic accident or something like that and you were the one at fault, how do you convince that other person not to call the cops on you if it was just a little fender better so you don't get the ticket? How do you talk to people in a manner? How do you essentially sell yourself to, you know, get what you want? And so like my advice to like anybody, um, if you haven't read Sell or Be Sold, it's a phenomenal book. I have um, not read that book. It's a it's a really good book and like if, I need to read it now. Yeah, and so um, it really opened up my mind is because like okay. if you're not selling to someone in the form of like uh, emotion or passion or something like that, you're being sold too, right? So like if your girlfriend is just like telling you or your boyfriend is telling you like, I wanna go to this movie and you don't really wanna see it, you know, and you're just like, then you can kind of like finesse it and then you're like, yo, let's go look at this movie, right? And so it's kind of like everything is a sale. I believe everything is just a transfer of emotions. And so if anybody who just wants to get into my position, mindset is also the biggest thing, right? I always tell people 80% of success is just showing up. If you just show up every single day, do what you need to do, find the right mentors. Um, I'm actually really looking to work with some people. I really want to impact some people's lives and help them out with everything with like mindset. But if you can just show up every day and have the right mindset, say 80% of success is mindset and 95% of that success is just like having the right mindset. So 80% of the success is just showing up and 95% is just having the right mindset. So to get into Perfect. how it kind of started was Kyler offered me this job as like a salesman and I just asked him, I was like, how much did you do in sales last year? He told me, you know, we did right around like 500,000 to 600,000 in sales. And I was like, what do we need to do to take this to a $1.5 million company? And uh, we really just started brainstorming and stuff like that. And um, I told him, I was like, all right, like I'm the only salesman right now. What we need to do, we need to build a sales team. We need to put a marketing plan together. We need to make the system so effortless that like anybody can just step into and just start crushing it. And so like putting the proper systems in place, doing the marketing, um, being able to like lead people. I always tell people, you know, if you want to be a leader, you need to lead yourself first. Because if you can't lead yourself, then how do you expect anybody to follow you? Yep. And so like that's the biggest thing as well too. So those are my three probably biggest tips right there. Um, it's just like if anybody wants to, you know, just come in and crush it. And so for any of you out there that, you know, don't want to be an entrepreneur, if anybody's on this podcast thinking like, oh, like entrepreneurship's too intense for me. If you just show up to your nine to five job or whatever you want to do, if you network with people, this is the biggest thing. If you network and work hard, you will get put in front of the right people and you will be rewarded. So. No, that was fantastic. Um. I think we've pretty much covered everything that I wanted to 
touch on. Is there? I'm gonna do. I have one or f- I have one or two follow up questions. I always end with. But do you have anything that we haven't touched base on that you wanted the people in here to know about you, or what you do, or anything like that? Uh, I think we pretty much just covered. Hey, I think everything. we did a fantastic I mean, job. Like, absolutely crushed it. So I always like to end with um, a few questions. Just to kind of wrap things up to give people a better idea of who you are and your mindset and everything like that. So if you were looking back on the you from just getting back to San Francisco, like your car's not working, your fridge isn't working, you have no groceries, you're sitting there, you're looking at this cop in the eye, begging this dude not to write you that ticket because that shit will just push it over the edge. Yeah. What, standing in the position that you're at right now, what advice or tip would you give to the you in that position or someone that's currently listening to this that is not doing super great but wants to be doing well? What would you what would you relay to them to help them get to at least that next little level? Um, just show up. Just show up and have faith. You know, like I was, you know, something that my mentor always told me is like, you're never going to be as good as when you start as like where you are going to be in 10 years. And so if you just kind of have that mindset, if you can think on like a decade basis or like 20 years in advance, having like that vision, that long-term vision mm-hmm. of like where you want to be instead of just looking at yourself, because I had every reason to quit. Yes. Right. Like my car, my fridge, the cop, mm-hmm. um, the emissions was failing, my license plates, like, you know, my friends and my family, like telling me just to get like a regular job, everything like that. And it's just like, it's all just noise. It's, it's really just noise. And if you can just have like that long-term vision and just keep holding on to like whatever you want to do or whatever you want to make happen in your life, you can honestly just do it if you just hold on and just be consistent, right? So when people first get into something, they're super motivated, they're super fired up and everything. And then once those emotions kind of die out, that's where the real tests come in, right? That's where the why comes in. My why is my family. My why is my kids. My why is my grandma. My why is my dad, my mom. Um, my friends, I want to take, I want to be able to take my friends on trips. I want to be able to influence other people's lives. And so like I had every single reason to quit, but I just kept thinking about, you know, like if, if, if I quit right now, where would I be in six months? Or like, where would I have been if I didn't quit in six months? Where would like, what opportunity, what person wouldn't I have met in a month, two months, a year, two years, three years, five years, what kind of opportunities would I miss out on? You know, because I think about this too, like the opportunity cost. A lot of people look at the cost of the opportunity getting into it, but I guess I'm a little bit different. I look at, at the opportunity of not getting into something, right? Like, what am I giving up? And so, like, I always kind of look at that. So, if you're in a tough position right now and you're kind of just you're just lost and you're ready just to throw the towel in, it's really just the universe sending you a test of how bad you want something, right? Because like, they, they it tends to happen in in this all the time. People in school. They fail the test, they just like kind of like hard on themselves or the business owner, you know, can't find the salesman, can't find the sales, can't do the right marketing program or anything like that. And you just haven't found the right way. Right. So I think, you know, like the mindset to have is just like fail forward and fail fast. That's the best way. It's like failing is like people are so afraid to fail. But when you can embrace failure and just look at them as like lessons, you can turn that into something like really amazing. And so. That's really just like the advice that I have is just really touching on like 
the universe will always send you tests. It's always, always, always sending you tests, right? So like when I moved to San Francisco, that was scary for me, bro. That was a test, like mm -hmm. from the universe, I believe, because it was like, can he do this? Like, can he actually go out to San Francisco away from all his friends and family and really just crush it out here? And can he like handle it? So I go out there and I didn't get paid from mid-August to mid-January. And it was just like the test from the universe, right? And I really think it was just like the man upstairs, just like, okay, Evan, like you, you have big goals. Like you have these lofty dreams. Right, you want to be somebody. You want to impact lives. Like, can you go through this test first? So the universe will send you test and 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 send you a hundred more tests until you finally get to where you're gonna be. I honestly believe there's no reason that anybody can't get to where they want to be ever if they just handle all the tests the right way and just fail forward and fail fast. Dude, nuggets, everyone. Take, hit the rewind button on your phone right now. Listen to that two or three more times every single morning because I that was fantastic. I appreciate that. Um, so I want to open up the floor right now because I know you have to get going. Uh, do you just kind of want to plug any social media, anything with the business? I know you mentioned a, a few minutes ago that you were trying to mentor a few people in mindset. Feel free to talk about that now. I want to give you the floor to kind of plug anything that you want people to know anywhere they can find you all of that stuff yeah i'm a i'm a really open guy i um i treat everybody the same uh no matter if you're a millionaire if you're homeless if you're um i always believe you know that like people have something that i don't have that's something that i believe in and so like i always treat someone the same because they might have been through an experience that i haven't been through yet and i can learn from them i don't care who you are i believe i can learn from anybody on this earth i think that's also what keeps me really humble is just having that mentality that like everyone always has something to teach you yes and so i'm a really open person i actually love getting dms when people are like yo like i've been watching you for a while you seem like you're crushing it i don't really know what you do uh if you guys just reach out to me i'm most active on my instagram if you already follow me on instagram you know how active i am on there i love shooting like photography and stuff like that if you ever want to go out and shoot i'll introduce you to some of my photographers and videographers and stuff. Austin here is a phenomenal photographer if you go out and check out his Instagram page. But my Instagram page is young underscore Jenks, J-E-N-K-S. I think everybody knows how to spell young here. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my Facebook is also just Evan Jenkins and my Snapchat is Evan underscore Jenkins, J-E-N-K-I-N-S. Hit me up if you guys are just looking for guidance. I honestly love just to reach out to people. If I don't reach out to you right away, don't get um, disheartened or anything like that. It's not personal. I just have a ton of <laughs> people that I that are in my DMs all the time asking me for help. And I really just want to help everybody. So if I don't get back to you um, in a couple hours or a couple days, um, just shoot me another DM or something like that. And we'll see what we can do. We can jam out a call. If there's any struggles or anything like that that you're going through in your life, I'd love to figure out a game plan and a solution that we can figure out for you guys. But other than that, Instagram, young underscore janks. Um, have some Instagram tips for any of you photographers out there that are looking to grow your page, looking to sell your photography through Instagram. It's a super powerful tool. I actually am just learning through, met a couple Instagram influencers who have like 40, 50, 80,000 followers and stuff like that. So I'm learning directly from people who have what I want. So I can, anybody who's looking out here to grow their social media, monetize their social media so they're not just getting their nine to five income they can get income from their social media instagram facebook anything like that um i really just want to help people and um i probably should be charging money for the information that i 
give out, but I don't, I'm not like that. I'd rather just help everybody like the best way that I can. So get him while he's free before he starts charging here coming up is what he's getting at. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, Evan has been absolutely fantastic, man. That has been insightful as all can be for me. I learned a lot. I'm sure everyone listening to this has learned a lot. So I appreciate it, dude. Dude, I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on and live life on your own terms. Damn. Y'all have a beautiful day. Thank you.